Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 welcome you are listening to hope and faith ministry a broadcast of the historic people's baptist church in boston new england's oldest african-american church hope and faith ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father dr wesley roberts senior pastor at people's baptist church we're so glad you're here Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. The title of the message today is God's Prescription for Business. God's Prescription for Business. We're looking today at one of the common causes of stress business. Multitudes of people are suffering from weariness, exhaustion, and fatigue. The sale of sleeping aids and nerve pills are at an all-time high because life is so hectic. We are on the go from early morning to late at night, seven days a week. And how often the people you talk to are in a rush to get to work, are in a rush to some meeting, are in a rush to meet a deadline, are in a rush to pick up the children, and are in a rush to get to the store. You see, we rush through our meals, we rush through traffic, we rush through conversations, we rush through everything, endeavoring to be everything to everyone, everywhere. Among teachers, ministers, doctors, nurses, lawyers, CEOs, and even parents and students, there is a high rate of burnout, all because everybody feels the pressure to accomplish, to succeed, to reach the top, or just to make ends meet, regardless of what they have to do or how they must live to get there. You see, life is a vicious circle, running here and there, doing this and that, endeavoring to pack 48 hours into 24. We wonder why the body is so exhausted, weary, tired, strained, fatigued. Many of us don't have time to smell the fragrance of the flowers, to listen to the melody of the birds, to feel the gentleness of the breeze, to observe the changing of the seasons, to relish the beauty of the sunset, or to watch our children grow up. We are just too busy and too tired. This is not the kind of life that God wants his children to live. Psalm 127 and verse 2 tells us, It is senseless for you to work so hard from early morning 
until late at night. God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. You see, if we are burning the candle at both ends, then we may not be as bright as we think. Sometimes the most spiritual thing that we can do is to go to bed early and get a good night's rest. Psalm 23 in, in verse 2 says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Now the psalmist is here speaking about rest and refreshment. You see, God is interested in our rest and recreation. He wants us to live a whole, balanced, and complete life. He wants us not to be working all the time. A CNN poll some time ago said that 59% of all Americans would like to slow down and relax more. And then a Harris poll said we have 8.5 hours less leisure time now than we did a decade ago. We are working more and enjoying less. So the question is, what is God's prescription for business? Number one, realize your worth. Realize your worth. The reason most people overwork is because they confuse their work with their worth. We think that if we work a whole lot, achieve a lot, we are worth a lot. We confuse what we do with who we are. In America, we get our primary identity from what we do. When we meet someone after we find out their name, usually the second question is, what do you do? You see, we get our worth, we think, from our work. But the Bible doesn't teach that. It says that our worth is regardless of what our work is. Many people grew up with a little phrase in their mind that says, you are a nobody. Maybe a brother or sister or a parent or a friend um, have said at some point, you're never going to amount to much. And so they work to prove they're, that they're wrong. But they never accomplish enough to feel satisfied. They have to prove their value, their significance, their worth by overworking. And they never can slow down. But listen to what God says about us in James chapter 1 and verse 18. God decided to give us life through the word of truth, so we might be the most important of all the things he made. You see, God says, I matter more than the rest of creation, so I can relax. I don't have to prove my worth. If we really understand and feel what we are worth to God, it will change our approach to life. You see, if God likes me and I like me, it really doesn't, uh, and you don't like me, it really doesn't matter. I don't need the approval of other people to be happy. But I do need the, to realize how valuable I am to God. 
Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 26, Your heavenly Father feeds the sparrows, and you are far more valuable to him than they are. You see, if God notices, even when a bird falls to the ground and takes care of them, he certainly can take care of us. So there are three things that I just want you to keep in mind. One, we will never fully understand how much God loves us while we are here on this earth. And number two, there is nothing that we can ever do that will make God love us any less than he loves us right now. You see, God's love is not based on our performance. It is based on who he is. And number three, there is nothing we can, we can ever do in this life that will make God love us more than he already loves us. We don't have to prove our worth by overworking. God says, you're okay and I'm okay. In Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 16, he says, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Jesus died on the cross and, and uh, they placed nails through his hand. He can never forget how much he loves us. When we get to heaven one of these days, he's going to show us the, those engraved hands with the nail prints in, in his hand. But the second uh, prescription is enjoy what you already have. Enjoy what you already have. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse, and verse 13, Solomon says, All of us should enjoy what we have worked for. It is God's gift. Can you be so preoccupied in getting more that you don't enjoy what you have already? Of course, we do. You see, most of us have the desire to acquire more and more stuff, things. We try to keep up with the Joneses, not realizing the deep financial hole that they may be in themselves. We don't realize that they may have just refinanced their home or filed for bankruptcy. You see, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. <laughs> See, we, we try to get more and more, and we get financially overextended. And then we have to find a second job and hustle to make ends meet. And so we spend all of our time working and have little or no time to spend with our family. The result is that relationships begin to deteriorate, and that is probably the cause of many divorces, because there's not enough time spent together communicating with one another. But that's not the way God wants us to live. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 6 says, It is better to have only a little with peace of mind than be busy all the time. Amen. No, I didn't say that. That was Solomon who said that. The greatest things in life aren't things. As a pastor, I've been at a lot of 
deathbeds, whether at home or in the hospital, but I've never had one person say when they are dying, I wish I had spent more time on the job. Many have said, I wish I had spent more time with my family and had spent more time with God. But no one has ever said to me, I wish I had spent more time on the job when they are making their exit from this world. You see, we get all of these things, but we are not going to take them with us when the time comes to leave this world for the next world. See, in American culture, it is considered a tragedy if you die penniless. But really, um, what a better time to go. <laughs> See, when, <laughs> when, you, when you write your last check and your bank account is totally empty, then you move from, from earth to heaven. And that's great timing. So enjoy what you have while you have it, and don't be worrying about getting more and more all the time. But the third prescription uh, is limit your work. Limit your work. I must make a conscious decision to make time for other things beside work. I need to schedule time for myself. I need to schedule time with God and I need to schedule time with my family. Those are important elements in my life as well as work. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 15 uh, says, Only someone too stupid to find his way home would wear himself out with work. If I'm working all the time, then I'm not as bright as I think I am. A lady called her pastor one day, upset, and she said, I called all day Monday and couldn't get through to you. And the pastor said, well, Monday's my day off. And the lady said, well, the devil never takes a day off. <laughs> and the pastor responded by saying, yes. And if I didn't take a day off, I'd be just like the devil. <laughs> Exodus chapter 20, 9 and 10. You have six days in which you do your work, but the seventh day is to be a day of rest dedicated to me. God says that one day off every week is the rule. This is the fourth commandment. In fact, it is so important that God puts it up there with do not commit murder. Every seventh day, we are supposed or designed by God to take a day off. If we are not taking a day off, then it means that we are breaking the Ten Commandments. God says, do it. Why? It's the Bible calls it the Sabbath. Sabbath means a day of rest. In Mark chapter 2 and verse 27, Jesus said, the Sabbath was made to benefit people. 
It doesn't matter what day you choose as long as you choose one day in the week that you take off from your regular work. Now, Sunday is not my Sabbath. It is a work day for me. But I take Monday, and I tried to stay away from as many things from the church as I possibly can, though I'm not always successful, because there are calls that come, there are people who need to be visited, and, and a number of other things to do. But uh, the work of a pastor is, is uh, never done. As soon as I finish preaching today, tomorrow I have to start thinking about what I'm going to do next Sunday. And it takes time in order to get your sermons together so that by Wednesday uh, afternoon, I have my outline to my secretary. And on Wednesday evening, I can, I can prove it. And, uh, and then we move on. But this goes on and on. So what should we do on the Sabbath? One, rest your body. Is if you don't take time to rest your body, your body will make time to rest itself. Either in the hospital or with a cold or flu. Our best requires rest. During the French Revolution, they outlawed Sunday as a day of rest. Within a few years, they had to reinstitute it. Not for religious reasons, but because the health of the nation had basically collapsed. You see, people were all burnt out. You see, God who made us, know that without rest, our bodies cannot stand the stress we encounter all week. That without rest, we cannot endure, endure the pressures of going from morning to night. That our bodies cannot bear the burdens we have to deal with every day. We need to take time off. If Jesus had to take time off to rest his body, surely we need to even more. Surely what we are doing is not more important than what Jesus had to do. So what do you do on the Sabbath? Let me mention three things. One, recharge your emotions. All of us need quietness. We need recreation, something that we enjoy doing, which is apart from work. We need time for relationships because relationships are very important. Without relationships, you really can't function well in this world. But um, two, recharge. Well, two already, recharge your emotions. Number three, uh, you need to refocus your spirit. You need to refocus your spirit. Now, the Bible calls this worship. Worship brings things into perspective. See, when you come into the church with a big problem, worship puts things into perspective. Because quite often, we are looking at the problem, we are not looking at God. But when you begin to see God as he is, then your problems become so much smaller. See, when you get the feeling that you can't go a step further, that you can't stay with it any longer, 
that you can survive another trial, that you can deal with another disappointment. Worship reminds you that God will see you through, that there is um, hope for you, that there's light at the end of the tunnel because you serve a great God. You see, God knows when your problems begin to frustrate you. He knows when your sorrows overwhelm you, when your doubts assail you, when your fears paralyze you, when your friends forsake you, when your enemies confront you, and worship reminds you that you need somebody greater than than yourself to help you, and that God will do what he has to do right on time. Number number four, adjust your values. Adjust your values. In order to reduce business in my life, I must change my thinking about what is important. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 4 says, I have learned why people work so hard to succeed. It is because they envy the things their neighbors have. Again, I didn't say that, no, so don't blame me. <laughs> you have to stop and say you're not going to get caught up in the rat race of always trying to get more. There are some things more important than getting more. Matthew, or Mark chapter 8 and verse 36, uh, where Jesus says, What good is it? For a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul. Is it worth it? Ask yourself this question about every area in your life. We may be making a good living right now, but are the children getting any parenting? They are going to be gone in a few years. Will I regret that? Or will I be able to say that I did the best I could to be with them and to, to spend time with them and to, and to nurture them? No matter how much we make, we can lose it in just a little while, and we all know that. But the fifth prescription is exchange your pressure, exchange your pressure for God's peace. Change the word grace to peace, for God's peace. Exchange your pressure for God's peace. There are three kinds of fatigue. There is physical fatigue, tired muscles that can be replenished pretty quickly. Then there is emotional fatigue, tired emotions and feelings. And uh, then there is spiritual fatigue, a dry spirit. And this is the deepest and the most difficult to deal with. You may need a vacation, but a vacation will not help emotional and spiritual fatigue. You need more than just time off to recharge your emotions and focus your spirit. You need a relationship with God. You can take a two-week vacation to Hawaii, Uh, or the Caribbean, but when you return, you're still going to have the same problems 
The pressures are still going to be there. It means more than just taking time off. It means readjusting your values and exchanging your pressure for God's peace. We need a relationship with Jesus Christ who will help us to set the pace of our life. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, 28, and 29, Come to me, all of you who are tired and have heavy loads, and I will give you rest. The load I give you to carry is light. Are you stressed out, tired, weary? Jesus says, come to me. He knows when you have gone as far as you can go. He knows when you have done as much as you can do. He knows when you have given as much as you can give, when you have handled as much as you can handle, when you have faced as much as you can face, when you have stood as much as you can stand, when you have waited as long as you can wait, and he will refresh you with showers of blessing if you give him your life and allow him to rule and direct your life for you. I don't know about you, but I, I need somebody who will help me to be victorious in my daily life. I need someone who will strengthen me when I'm facing great trials. I need someone who will undergird me when hard times come. Someone who will keep me, from, from keep me going when others quit. And someone who will give me rest for my weary soul. And that someone's name is Jesus. You see, he is the good shepherd that never flees. He is the rose of Sharon that never fades. He is a sure foundation that never shakes. He is the faithful friend that never forsakes. He is a high priest that never fails. And he is the eternal fountain that never ceases to flow. You see, Abraham knew him as a sacrifice on Mount Moriah. Moses knew him as the pillar of cloud and fire. Aaron knew him as the rod that budded. Gideon knew him as the angel of the Lord. Ruth knew him as a kinsman redeemer. Samuel knew him as the ark of the covenant. Elijah knew him as a still small voice. Solomon knew him as the wisdom of Israel. Isaiah knew him as a one high and lifted up. Ezekiel knew him as a wheel in the middle of a wheel. Daniel knew him as a handwriter on the wall. And Joel knew him as a Holy Ghost baptizer. Haggai knew him as a desire of the nations. And Malachi knew him as the son of righteousness. And thank God we too know him today as the Lord of our life. The one who is from the beginning who has no ending, who is King of kings and Lord of lords. And if we stick with him, he will be with us throughout the ages of eternity. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall, bring forth the royal diadem, and crown him, crown him, crown him and crown him, Lord of all. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. 
People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 8 a.m. and at 1045 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith.